0: again, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between and outside the fabricated gender binary, welcome to Know for Note, the podcast which takes an in-depth look at how music affects people on a personal level. I'm your host, as usual, Michelle Lightshue. However, today, I'm not exactly your host. I'm uh, the interviewee. Um, Once again, uh, Tony from the Pretty Punk Network is joining me on today's episode. However, uh, today the microphone gets turned around, and I get to talk about... Uh, The album that had the biggest impact on my life. And that album is Wincing the Night Away by The Shins. So, I want to thank Tony, first of all, for helping me out with this interview. Um, Because I thought that interviewing myself would be a little bit awkward and a little bit weird. Um, Two, I want to thank Andre and Carl from Colorcaster uh, for uh, for allowing me to use the uh, song lines as the intro, outro, and intermiddle or intermittent music, bleh, rented lips, of of, uh, all of the episodes of Note for Note. I want to thank the Pretty Punk Network for hosting us, and I want to thank everyone else who's uh, a listener or subscriber to this podcast. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, If you've enjoyed the show so far, uh, please, I mean, not just today's episode, but I mean in general, um, please remember to uh, like, subscribe, review it on iTunes or wherever else you downloaded it, um it really helps uh with getting uh kind of the word out about this podcast and spreading the word. It's always nice to see the subscriber count grow. Anyways, uh without further ado, here's today's episode.
1: So Winston and Iowa by the Shins. hmm You picked a. Uh, you picked what was it called again? Um Heartworms or heartworms. Yeah, one of one of our albums. So, like the Shins, overall is one of your. Would you say one of your favorite bands?
0: I I would. Uh, to me, the Shins are are my favorite band of all time. Um, Ooh. even more so than like the Beatles. I love the Shins. I think James Mercer's one of the best uh, songwriters um, of all time. Like not even just our generation. I think he's an absolute genius.
1: Hmm. So, like, um. So this was so. Went to the Ways, like right before he had falling out with uh with some of his bandmates, right? So
0: Yep, this is the it's the last album um that he did with the original lineup, which was um Marty Crandall, Dave Hernandez, and Jesse Sandoval. At least like the main four people were Mercer, Crandall, Hernandez, and Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Um as what I think of as like the classic lineup, but yeah.
1: So why was why this album out of all the other uh, out of all the other discography that they have?
0: So, I I was really close to picking um "O Inverted World" because that was the album. I mean, technically, the Garden State soundtrack is what introduced me to the Shins, and then "O Inverted World," but um, Wincing the Night Away" was uh, it came out at a very interesting time in my life. It came out in uh, two thousand seven. And at that time, I was going from um, uh, high school or from grade school to high school, and so it's this album that hits me right in the middle of this, like sort of like I'm going from this private Catholic school to a public high school in mm-hmm. you know the twin cities of Minnesota, rather than being in this kind of suburban area like i'm right on the border of the cities and so um not a lot of my friends went to uh high school with me only about maybe two people in my entire class uh from the catholic grade school went with me to that same high school and um you know it was something that at the time really uh music has always been for me at least a little bit of an escape or a little bit of a safety net of like if things in the world are like kind of crashing down around me or there's a lot of tumultuous stuff going on um then the music I'm listening to usually becomes very important to me and that's kind of what happened with this album I guess you know and um another thing that kind of sides off of that is uh that's about the time that I really started um Playing a lot of bass guitar, and mm-hmm. the bass on this album—it's not like the most technically complex stuff. Like it's not Dream Theater, it's not Rush, but it's yeah. really interesting and melodic. It's very Beatles-esque. It's got that sort of Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a melody-based bass line rather than yeah. you know just something following whatever the guitar is doing.
1: That's one thing I noticed about the album, like the whole sound of it. It's very. Very sing-songy, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just on the edge of being, like, almost pop music, but then it's still, like, like, just veers into that indie rock area.
0: And I think part of that's Mercer's lyrics, like, uh, Red Rabbits, just the lines, yeah. Out of a gunny sack fall red rabbits into the crucible to be rendered an emulsion. Like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> you will <laughs> never hear that in a Katy Perry song.
1: Yeah, exactly. No so when you when you moved to like the new uh when you moved to the new school mm-hmm. you think like did you feel kind of isolated you said there were only two people from your uh from your grade school i felt like ex- you knew yeah
0: oh yeah no <clears throat> i felt extremely isolated um on top of that like um this was also the time where a lot of people were um you know I was actually just talking about this with uh, Danny a couple days ago, and that is um, a lot of people um, were, like, really finding themselves, like, their gender... I mean, like, not people weren't really, like, transitioning or anything in my high school, but, like, people were, like, falling into their heteronormative, like, categories. And I, Mm -hmm. being... You know trans and not entirely understanding what that meant at the time and not really understanding that I even was at the time um you know, I just felt so different from other people that like th- th- it was just something that I could kind of go into this world of you know weirdness and try to decrypt decrypt the lyrics and you know kind of just float along on the baseline with it um Rather than actually um, take the time to sit around and think about like what was going on internally, it was just something that kind of yeah acted as a painkiller in a sort of ways, I guess.
1: So, what about like this album specifically? Seemed like a solace from that isolation that like kind of forced uh, almost a retrospect, a self reflection.
0: Sure. Um. So one of the songs that like. Uh that really got me as as like a bass player and also uh a lyricist was the song Phantom Limb. That's the one with that mm-hmm. really distorted, gritty bass yeah. that comes in right after Panberry. And um you know, I remember listening to the lyrics initially and um and I wasn't really too sure what he was singing about and I thought the music video for it too on a side note was absolutely brilliant. Um but when i really started picking into the lyrics and started like decrypting it it was about a lesbian high school relationship is what and that's i guess what yeah that's i guess what mercer said that the song was about was it's you know uh lesbian high school relationship and i was like huh and for whatever reason I like totally well here's the thing knowing who I am now it makes the most fucking sense on earth it's so goddamn obvious but at the time I was like why do I identify so much with this song why does this song make me want to just shout the fucking like choral round at the end and make me want to (laughs) cry at the same time so yeah it was that song in particular I probably have played more than any other song um that i've that i've like heard on, on an ipod or c player yeah. or anything like that like that is probably the most played song uh off this album at least
1: it's kind of like a weird irony that uh you use this album to uh as a form of escapism to avoid self-reflection but then in a way it kind of helped you see yourself better in like a skewed way that maybe you, at the time you didn't even notice.
0: No, I, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, It's one of those crazy things that like, you know, at the time I really didn't understand what, what it was about this album that drew me in so much, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, maybe it's just like the bass lines, or maybe it's, you know, this sort of cryptic lyrics. But when I look back at this album now, I'm just like, <laughs> so much of it makes like sense as to why I I fell into this and like you know the thing about Mercer's lyrics like I was saying is they're so they're so opaque that mm-hmm. that at least during this period of the Shin's songwriting um, yeah but when I was when I was listening to this album uh, you know not too long ago I was able to just. I was reminiscing about the song Girl Sailor in particular and that was this sort of like my my view of it was always that it was this badass woman like pirate captain who's like on the seas and just like kicks ass and like wears fabulous fucking clothes and is just this like very powerful but yet very feminine figure and mm-hmm. once again, it was one of those things that like, I loved the hell out of that song and I'm not, and I wasn't sure why. <laughs> and now I'm like, it makes, it makes total fucking sense as to why. See, tra- yeah.
1: I was trying to think of like any album from my childhood that like probably meant more than I really thought it did at the time. Mm-hmm. But i wonder if that's just a thing where um it's where you have like an identity that you need to actually fight for in order to find it because i mean i guess i had like some issues with like being uh being mixed race that like at times i really didn't want to embrace being of latinx heritage Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like something i could deny or like convince myself i wasn't so, like, do you think that this album like helped you, or do you think it was just like a starting point to really, truly discovering like what you, uh, what you identify with?
0: You know, or do you,
1: I, uh, or do you think there were greater catalysts?
0: I think, as far as like the trans thing goes, there were definitely. I definitely would say that there are greater catalysts because, like, mm-hmm. um. Against me is <laughs> you know yeah. around this this same this same fucking year uh new wave came out, and that was another thing that I did is I like listened to me being a fucking dweeb uh I would <laughs> listen to my chemical romance uh this album and against me's new wave like on a repeater loop and shuffle while playing runescape and stuff online and just being <laughs> a total fucking dork so but I mean like. You know, I think that there was a lot of things that acted as greater catalysts for yeah. gender identity discovery. Um, and none of I honestly, I would say like one of the one of the stranger ones would just be the tub thumping music video because there's a lot of cross dressing in that, <laughs> and and Monty Python and like, um all these other there's a whole bunch of other things that were just like you know what happens when you put this male identified person in a dress and like Mm -hmm. it was one of those things that like for me when i would watch that sort of stuff on like monty python like there'd always be like a laugh or something um but i'd always just kind of be like why are they like laughing or whatnot like is this just like and it was it was a lot of stuff like that and to be honest, I think the biggest catalyst was Eddie Izzard.
1: Eddie Izzard? Just oh, I just that. I love the guy.
0: Yeah, love I love Eddie the... Izzard. Um and so like and I think and I think Izzard's still using he him pronouns, he... but they might have switched to they them. I don't know where Izzard's at with that, but
1: he uses they them, he him.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Cause because like, I yeah, I couldn't remember. Last time I checked. Yeah, that that was the last that I heard from that issue as yeah. well. um, But I know they also identify as transgender and not mm-hmm. just like a transvestite or crossdresser. But that was one of the things that I was like, maybe that is more so like what I am. But then uh, the term is throughout there was like male lesbian. And I was like, OK, that kind of fits. But yeah. I also like I had a whole bunch of other things that like, you know. Me going like, oh, well, like maybe I'm, um, maybe I'm gay. And I was like, definitely not gay because I like women too much and, (laughs) and, and female identified people too much. And just femme in general is -hmm. kind of like where I lean on the attraction spectrum. Whereas like, I technically kind of classify myself as pansexual, but I'm like, really like, it's for me it's almost like the concept of guys can be interesting in that way yeah but the actual practice for me has never been like I don't know like I think there's a difference with like cis like there's something with like cis males that's just a little bit different than like with um non-binary mask um any 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 like I don't know It's it's a weird sort of spectrum of sexuality. And like sometimes it swings really far one way and sometimes swings really far the other way. But it usually stays pretty much in that sort of uh, femme identified category where it's like. Like AMAB or AFAB. If you're like on the femme side of things, I am usually closer to that, but I don't know. This is kind yeah. of a weird ramble thing. I'm sorry if I got way no, it's cool. off topic I'm trying here. to,
1: like, pick out things to take from that. <laughs> but, like, uh... There's a lot. No, I think, uh... I think, like... I think, like, this is why I kind of like albums like The Shins, mm. where it's, like, really sing-songy, that it doesn't really fit the, like, the normal spectrum of, like, what male rock stars are.
0: Yeah. Because,
1: like, alternative music has always been kind of on that weird spectrum where it's, like, wow it sounds, sounds really sing-songy and like really uh melodic in a way that like isn't really normally associated with rock music mm-hmm. do you think that kind of drew you to it too is the uh, just it didn't like like push out those vibes
0: oh i definitely think it was think kind so. of hyper aggressive yeah. that like, yeah
1: early I... mid-2000s rock was
0: in, well not even like early 2000s mid-2000s rock like excuse me i i love stuff like mcr and that mm-hmm. emo music but there was like this like you know it comes from the word emotional there was a lot of emotion behind yeah. it but it wasn't like i don't know and that's kind of one of the things where it's like with hip hop artists you know i kind of like those figures like um like Kendrick Lamar and like Eminem and like um oh fuck why am i blanking on his name we talked about him on the fence staples. Vince
1: staples like, staples, yeah, yes,
0: like those type of artists who are able to convey this emotion that's not just like, "I wanna fuck you, I wanna do this to you like yeah like in in rock music, in rap music and country music, and any of that sort of music, God, there's music. a lot of lacking sentimentality, and I don't mm-hmm. think that like the shins are necessarily like full of sentimentality, they've got that sort of like Beatles ask vibe to them but yeah when it comes to like the lyrics they're they're so poetic that there's something that really they're not like the main focus of the song and like when you yeah. pull them into focus they're not just like these hyper misogynistic sexist or anything like that they're these you know cryptic metaphors that Mm -hmm. that are either talking about like you know two lesbians having a relationship in high school or the inability to fall asleep which is another fucking thing that i have dealt with for my entire life is insomnia so that's another nice little thank you to james mercer
1: i feel like everybody i know has is dealing with insomnia right now at least like two-thirds of the people i know i mm-hmm. deal with the and it's weird yeah it's like we all like just attract each other
0: <clears throat> well it's just because we can't fucking sleep and it's just like hey, exactly. hey. <laughs>
1: hey. hey i'm tired you're tired
0: yeah. <laughs> you want to go nap yeah let's go nap it's, that's the that's the easiest conversation sir is, i'm so yeah. tired i got how much sleep did you get last night i got like two hours of sleep motherfucker yeah. i got like 30 minutes of sleep this is how late i was up i swear <laughs> to god we've had these conversations like before too about like
1: i'm, pretty I'm sure so fucking had.
0: tired yeah i'm sure we have <laughs> i'm sure is, i've had okay, that this. with everyone at work <laughs> this is how fucking so tired of- are you i'm really tired
1: <laughs> <laughs> the thing about james mercer when you were talking about his lyrics i thought like it's really um I was to say, the complexity of his lyrics kind of, like, were a barrier for me to, like, feel sentimentality behind it. Yeah. But, like, now I totally understand what you say when you bring them in focus, that there's a lot of sentimentality. Um, I wondering, do you think that that's, a, that's something Jay Mercer did intentionally? That, like, it's kind of, like, if you're not really paying attention, it just kind of goes over your head? You know...
0: I wish I could say for sure on that, because there's definitely parts of me that think, like, um, you know, at least as a songwriter, like, that's one of the things that, like, sometimes I'm like, the lyrics need to be important, they need to mean something, they need to be at the forefront of the song, and it's like, well, can they mean something to you that's just, like, that you kind of say, but you don't quite say it so bluntly, um, and you don't have them at the forefront of everything. It's not like Mercer's like if this were to be let's just say Phantom Limb was written by Van Halen just just for the sake of
1: it just for the sake of it.
0: Let's say Phantom Limb was written by Van Halen the lyrics to that song would be way more to the front and it would be way more like you know like you might get some of the same like poeticism but yeah. you're you're not going to get any of that like subtlety that's there. And I think that that's kind of where Mercer really wins wins it out for me is with the subtlety of his lyrics like he's not like like I love punk rock music and I love that sort of blunt fuck you I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to say what I want, I'm going to dress how I want, I'm going to act how I want mentality. Yeah. But there's also something where he's like this fucking wizard where you just don't quite know <laughs> exactly what he's saying, and it's yeah. and it's something that like is allowed for a lot of an open interpretation, rather than just like fucking like destroy the government that sort of shit. Yeah. And I love that shit. Do not get me wrong. Oh, I yeah, fucking yeah. love no, no, no. like all that anarcho punk stuff. But at the same time, there's a there's like. A bluntness to the lyrics that you won't get with, uh, or that you, you know, that Mercer doesn't provide. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, with, like with Black Flag, you you know what you're getting. You know what they're talking about. You you hear uh, Henry, <laughs> Henry Rollins yelling "My War" like yeah. thirty times within a single song. You know he just pissed off at somebody and he oh, doesn't yeah. want to be their friend anymore. Mm-hmm. But with uh, with um, like with Red Rabbits, it's like, huh. What yeah. does this mean? What is he talking about? Yeah. How much, how you and Andre, like for Colorcaster, how much, uh, lyric writing do you do between you two? Or does, uh, or is it, it like a shit? Is it like 50, 50 or what?
0: You know, it really depends on the song. Um, mm. I would say in general, it's probably about 70, 30 him to me, but it also depends on the song. Cause like dreams was a song that like, I would say it's probably 50, 50. um, where I wrote everything aside from a chorus, and then he wrote the chorus yeah. to it. Um, and then okay. Burn It Down was something that I wrote everything but the chorus, and then he did that. And then there was another um, song of ours, Television Man, where I wrote two songs and gave them to him, and he fused them together. And so, like, you know, it really kind of depends on the song, but a lot of them, I would say, are just written by him. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's also things where he'll, he'll like have a line and I'm just like, that line doesn't make any fucking sense. He's like, well, what should we put there? (laughs) And then this is like, more like, um, I remember we had this debate in the studio one time where it was like, uh, where it was like, oh God. Um, yeah, it was, it was something about like, kindle these frigid embers or bury these frigid embers. And it was like, well, if you're kindling the embers, like, you're wanting that to go on. If you're burying them, you're wanting it to end. But, like, what you're singing is contradicting how you're actually... What the message of the song is. So by adding this, you're leaving it open for this and you're contradicting the entirety of the song. And I'm like, it it can make sense poetically and can make it something one way. But, like, I think that was something that, like, we probably had, like, a 40-minute discussion about,
1: <laughs> of, like... <laughs> Just, like, two lines.
0: Yeah, this word or yeah. this word. And, like, you know, that was a couple of years ago, and, um... Yeah, but... So... Yeah, go ahead.
1: So so it seems like there's, like, some... When you do write lyrics, it seems like there's some intention that you want the message of the song to be somewhat um clerical. Somewhat. So you do... Yeah. So w- would you say like your writing style is similar to you, are you like at least attempt to make it similar to James Mercer or are are you more blunt than he is
0: You know I really wish I could say that um my style is similar to James Mercer's um and that's something I like strive for is getting to like that level of um foggy poetry but, Yeah but when it comes to like my actual songwriting I'm probably I'd probably consider myself somewhere between like and I don't mean this like like I'm at these levels but stylistically no, yeah. stylistically yeah. wise I'd totally. probably say somewhere between like Laura Jane Grace and Tom Waits where it's mm-hmm. like I try to create an environment for the song but at the same time I also very much just like get that blunt punch to the face sort of message yeah which is how a lot of things that i've like done are where i'm like i try to tell a story um but i try to have it be like a very accessible through the lyrics and i don't cloud it up with so much metaphor like i'll use metaphor to um to emphasize a point or to um or to sort of uh I mean, I guess it does go back to emphasizing a point in the same regard, but I'll use it as a comparative, uh, like, like where I'll use a metaphor for something. I'm using, this is weird because I'm using metaphors to describe metaphors, but, (laughs) 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 but I'll use a metaphor for something and then I'll like bluntly say it and then I'll make another metaphor that's like the same thing where it's like, do you get the point? Like, I will use, it's like, I will tell you this thing this is the example of what it's similar to and I'll tell you that thing again and I'll give you another example of like, yeah, so it's like this.
1: No, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Gene's Mercer's style is uh, um, really unique. Like, if I I would have been able to sit down with this album because like, I I was listening to it like while working the entire time Mm -hmm. and I was really able to sit down with this album, I think I like could have understood it better yeah with the fact that i didn't have that time allocated to being able to just sit there and listen to it mm-hmm. was like kind of a barrier for me but, but that, like, you being said, this wh- yeah, that being you said that being
0: said with this- the
1: music go ahead I-, I was saying you you listen to this while you were basically just trying to get away from everything yeah when when you were trying when when this music could be your sole focus Hmm.
0: I remember listening to it on like uh long car rides. Um you know, anytime I'd have a fly on the airplane, it'd usually be on there. Um I just got it on vinyl uh a couple of like last year or the year before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I mean and that's yeah, I just got it on vinyl last year or the year before. But um like it's it's one of those song it's one of those albums that like you know, while playing while playing video games or something, like it was it was the soundtrack to all of my escapism. And yeah. I think like Sleeping Lessons was such a song that um that would really get me there because you know, you have that sort of like you that sort of arpeggiated
1: do 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 and yeah. it'd be
0: like entering this new world. And I would like every time I I remember because I kind like going through the
1: looking glass.
0: Yeah, it, you'd you'd yeah. be it'd be you falling through the looking glass, and then you would just wind up in the magical world of the Johto region because this <laughs> is what I would do, and I would just be like walking around, like you know, oh, I caught a spinner rack and you know, I'd be listening to Split Needles or something, which is another song with incredibly strange lyrics, but yeah, yeah. It's like I'm pressed on the handlebars of a blind man's bike. What?
1: (laughs) James, what you mean? James, what are you doing, girl?
0: I still don't even understand that one. Like, there's some songs and I think that's another part of why I love this album is that I still don't fully fucking comprehend it. It's been out for like 11 years and I still don't understand everything about it. And I've listened to it a thousand times.
1: An image in my mind is just like you is just like you like with a magnifying glass, like going over through the lyrics and like writing notes while you're like listening to the album and everything. It's
0: all like on the detective. back of the Declaration of Independence.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is looking over your shoulder as you do it.
0: <laughs> what is it supposed to mean?
1: What does it mean? How did it burn?
0: <laughs> oh my god.
1: So black. Okay, Black Wave and Split Needles. Those got like. Those were oddly, like, kind of melancholy compared to the rest of the album.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, no. And our Split Needles is, um, I have a whole playlist on Spotify of, um, like, melancholy music. And, of course, Sufjan Stevens is in there and Elliot Smith. <laughs> yes. But uh, <laughs> but Split Needles, I think, is the first song in there. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I remember listening to that, like, and they have, like, a like, upbeat version of it that's not, like, it's not in a major key or anything, it's just played, like, twice as fast. And I like that version, too, but the album version, there's just this sort of, like, those drums, that's a drum riff that just drives, like, and then you have that bass just gliding back and forth. It's so somber, and, like, that I also remember being one of the first songs I actually, like, cried to when I was in puberty was just like, like, I feel sad and I don't know why. And I still, like, looking at the lyrics, I feel sad and I still don't fucking know why.
1: I'm actually kind of jealous because, like, the first song I cried to I think was, uh, like, MCR MCR. Oh,
0: I, it's good too. It's
1: so good. But, like, it's... I don't want to put MCR down because I love them, but their lyrics are so blunt that, like, looking back, it felt like... It felt, like, almost kind of melodramatic to cry to them instead of, like, crying to something, like, extremely complex and artistic, like, split needles.
0: I mean, there's... Okay, I will say this, though. (laughs) Listening to fucking, um... (laughs) Oh, God, what is the song I'm thinking of right now? Famous Last Words. Yeah. I, I cried to that song a lot, and I still think that's a good fucking song. I, I'm i not afraid to keep on living. I'm not afraid to walk this world alone. Like, yeah. come on. It's so good. You can't fault them for that. Like,
1: I know. It's just like such a weird, like, space that MCR gets me in. It's because it's, like, straight up blunt and super, like, It feels melodramatic, even though it really isn't.
0: But I think that that's the beauty of MCR is that they have that sort of melodrama that can still pull you in. And it's not just like, it's not manufactured. It's not this like artificial sadness or artificial anger.
1: It's it's kind of like retrospectively looking back on all your like teenage drama Mm -hmm. that, like now that you're adult, probably wasn't a big deal, but those feelings are still very valid. Yeah. I think is why, like, I'm still kind of embarrassed by it. Because I know, like, a lot of what I went through as a teenager probably isn't that big of a deal now. And had, like, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of repercussions. But how distressed I was was still valid at that time. And I, and like, I needed to be, and, like, those are concerns needed to be addressed. Regardless of, like, how, like, unimportant they may have been. Maybe that's where, like, where where MCR falls into, that, like... They're, like, that kind of adolescence, uh... Their their rock is more for, like, the adolescent kind of anger and, like, frustration. I think
0: think you're right to some degree in there, at least. That being said, I still love the fuck out of MCR. But I'm also, like... (laughs) I'm I'm also in the midst of second puberty right now, so I'm, like, getting hit (laughs) with all of that shit again. It's just, like... I was listening to I was taking a shower. Let's get off topic again for a fucking second. I was taking a shower last night and I put on um I have this playlist I made on my uh, on Spotify and it's uh yeah. 2000s memories spelled m m r s <laughs> like Fall Out Boy and then RAR yeah. xd. I named it this because RAR-XD. Yes, raw xd. Yes. So I was listening to fucking The Black Parade while taking a shower. And I was just like, when I was a young boy, and I was like, oh my god, I'm back in this shit again. I'm back in this Did shit you- again.
1: So I think I was like a bigger dork than you. Did you ever watch um, um anime, anime music videos?
0: Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. We gotta <laughs> to talk about I- this now. What the fuck the- were you watching?
1: To this day, I still watch anime music videos with MCR in the background and just like watching Naruto and Sasuke fight the shit out of each other while like Black Parade is going on in the background. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, I don't know what it is, but it's like one of the most guiltiest pleasures I have because like, there's something else I could be doing or like some kind of media that I could be like, like taking in right now that would probably like benefit me artistically much more, but I need to hear black parade while i see like sasuke and naruto cry to each other while they like punch the shit out of each other
0: well also you could totally do what i did and that's look up fucking offspring amvs
1: <laughs> oh god
0: <laughs> those are totally <laughs> a thing and it rules I've seen, those.
1: I've seen those yes someone did like do you know how there was a garfield tattoo a uh, garfield not tattooed cartoon
0: okay so, yes, I I am familiar with the Garfield cartoon. Now, is this is this the uh Garf head with Pam body cartoon?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. That's that yes. That concept scares me. I had a nightmare <laughs> after listening to that. And after listening to that like my Bim Bam episode, I legit yeah. did and like I won't forgive them for that ever.
0: I like I like I remember, like, because every now and then I'll, like, throw on a podcast or something and I'll, like, fall asleep. Like, usually something in the backlog of my Bam Bam that I've already listened to. Because um, every now and then i like, laugh myself to sleep. Like, haha, the juice will flow or whatever. And then, like, <laughs> I just remember, like, waking up at, like, 2 a.m. And they were just talking about, like, that. It was that fucking bit. And I was like, Jesus Christ.
1: See, <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I would fall asleep to my bim-bim, because, like, in 2016, I fell asleep to a political podcast, so that was a nightmare for you all the time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
0: Well, I I feel like that informed a lot of who you are as a person. Like, you just have this political mentality that was, um, um, I can't remember what the phrase is, but I'm just going to use the Dexter's Lab example. It was omelette du fromage into your head. (laughs) Basically. Yes
1: uh i i kind of hate it though i don't know if you have this but like do you like immediately disconnect from someone the moment they have you find out they have like even the slightest like political leanings that like are like right wing
0: um i think it depends on the person it depends on the context and it also depends on like what the leaning is towards because i think like there's a part of me that's like okay like if you're super right wing about like free speech Then there's like at least a talking point about something. But I do think that, like, you get to a point with free speech, though, too, where, like, you know, you start having deeper conversations with people. And then it's like, well, are you supporting people marching in full Nazi regalia and throwing Roman salutes and chanting, Jews will not replace us? Like, is that something that you're supporting? Or is that something that, like, you. Like, you're supporting, but you're also supporting the protests against it. Now, that being said, at that point, you then have to go into the discourse of, okay, well, this is what's happening in those situations, and that is yeah. that the people who are protesting and are Nazis are are getting supported by the police and getting protected by the police, or those who are anti-protesting, the Antifa, and anyone else who's protesting against fucking Nazis are getting, yeah. like, tased by cops and, like, shoved in line and arrested it's like what
1: yeah <laughs>
0: what no like that's I think that there's a lot of like politics can be a very touchy subject but I'm also not one to like mince words when it comes to that sort of shit
1: yeah and see so, like, that's the one thing I like kind of don't like about my like political like mindset because the moment someone starts to like even um communicate that they're even like sympathize with right ring viewpoints i immediately start to like get like almost combative against them if not like i start disliking them as people immediately
0: you mentally square up
1: yeah yeah like no i know exactly no, what you mean no yes, matter, I do the no same matter thing. how no matter how much i've gotten along with them prior to that i, yeah. I immediately just start like oh well i guess like we're not close anymore because of this and like i always question if that's a bad or a good or a bad thing
0: well i think that like politics is what and this is the thing that always frustrates me about people when they're like you're gonna let politics between like you and a friend and it's like okay yes i am yeah because if you fucking like politics are what your worldview is like theoretical debates on stuff about like um about like school charters and districts and stuff like that like yeah, like it has an impact, but it's not something where it's like, "Hey, I believe you should be deported." Or, "Hey, I believe yeah. you are not entitled to use uh the proper restroom." Or, "Hey, I don't think you should get married." Or, "Hey, you have less autonomy. I believe that you should have less autonomy over your body than a corpse." That sort of mm-hmm. shit. Where it's like Yeah. No, like I can't get on board with your whole fucking deal here.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's not like even the like outright say those things like oh i'm i'm pro- i'm, I'm anti-taurist or like as i say pro-life yeah or like any, they have to outright say that thing they have to like just communicate the slightest sympathy with those things and i'll immediately start just like squaring up in my head it's like okay i guess here's where we're at now and like the next thing you say depends on like mm-hmm. depends on how i'm gonna react and like i'm already coming up with arguments in my head and everything yep. <laughs> I, I hate it though I think I was, like, having a th- thought about this, that when, like, when I was a shitty... When I was shitty, like, 16 and tried to get along with, like, all my neighbors in my hometown, I was, like, kind of mm-hmm. conservative. And it took less thought. Like, I I, yeah. I had to think about stuff less mm-hmm. to do that. And I think mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people like being conservative, because, like, it's stressful to think about politics. and they Oh, think absolutely. Just, and, 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 like, conservatives think we're just doing it just to fuck with them, but, like, legit, it just fucking ruins your your like mental stability to constantly be on the defense about everything Mm -hmm. i hate it
0: no and and well like i think you and i both exist like we're kind of both at this moment in politics yeah we're kind of forced to exist within these um we're kind of forced to exist within these political spheres we can't afford to be apolitical because i'm trans and you're latinx so it's Mm -hmm. like well, is Pence going to fuck with me or is Trump going to fuck with you? We're like, what is going to go on here? Like, it's one of those things where, like, I had a conversation with someone about, like, you know, why are you, like, so political? It's like, because, like, I just told you, Tony, I was like, I literally can't afford not to be. Like, me going to work, me going to the store, me going to buy fucking gas, from some dude who's got crosses hanging in his window mm-hmm. is a political statement. Yeah. Like, and it's it's not necessarily an intentional political statement, but it's the fact that it's like, hey, I exist. I need to get gas like a normal person. You don't need to look look at me like I'm a piece of fucking trash.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a thing, like, pe- when when people see, like, people of like not within the normative identities like white cis hetero male mm-hmm. they they think we're being like political to be antagonistic yeah but legit it's just just cuz they live in the homogeny. they're political in their own way but it's just not intentional yeah we're political because it's a it's a tool for survival well their like
0: their politicalness is just essentially um reinforce the established quote or the yeah. status quo. It's 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 reinforce what's been established. Reinforce the status quo. Those were the two words that I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, vodka. Anyways. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I think we've been going a little bit long now. That's fine.
0: And we still got to fit fine. your
1: intro and outro. I mean, yeah. we can
0: totally fit both of those in here too. Uh, okay. But how how do we bring this back, Tony? How do we bring this back from the brink? the brink of it becoming another political podcast how do we bring it back into the shins
1: The shins um what was your favorite song
0: of my, this my favorite song off of this album
1: <sighs> yes if you can name one you or know like not even favorite one that like meant the most to you
0: i think i think that would probably be phantom limb if you're going to go with meant the most to me yeah um that's what I thought. My top three are probably going to be Australia, um, Phantom mm-hmm. Limb, and Turn on Me. Actually, let me talk about Turn on Me for a quick second.
1: No, um, yeah, go ahead.
0: So, so here's the thing with Turn on Me is um like this kind of actually ties back into the politics. Now that I'm thinking about it, I <laughs> we'll have to probably exit, e- edit out some of these pauses. But that is um. So affections fade away and adults just learn to play the most ridiculous and repulsive games. And to me, like mm. at that time, like, um, you know, that's kind of when I was really coming into my own politically as well. Is that like, you know, I'm coming from this Christian conservative school, but I always had this sort of like 60s, like hippie mentality to me because I was brought up around the Beatles and Bob Dylan and stuff like that. So that when I got into this high school, I was still kind of sheltered from that sort of leftist viewpoint. But Mm -hmm. I really kind of like fell into it. And I was like, why are people like having debates about like?" And I started asking a lot more questions. And I think that this album inadvertently, I mean, like maybe hand in hand with Green Day's American Idiot and um, Against Me's New Wave really kind of pushed me into this sort of like question asking, like, why are people talking about this? Or what, what is it that, and it kind of like energized me a little bit politically, but it was also one of these things that like, as someone who was dealing with the same issues that I was dealing, like, uh, as someone who was dealing with the issues that I was dealing with at the time, with regard to um, undiagnosed and ununderstood gender dysphoria, um, a lot of anxiety, and being brought into this um, new like location i noticed that there was a lot of clicks and stuff and i just wasn't fitting in and so t- mm-hmm. it was almost one of those things where it's just like that song in particular really helped me feel like i wasn't alone in being an outcast if that makes sense and no, yeah that makes sense yeah and that's kind of one of the things about um turn on me at least that really got me uh Got me through some of the tougher times, and I know we didn't talk a lot about it earlier, but it's one of those. It's kind of a song that I think a lot of people like, kind of pass over, rather than, yeah. um, pay a lot of attention to. And I think that that one's the least. um I think that's the most straightforward of all of the songs on the album.
1: Yeah, I will say like yeah, like passed over. I did go from Red Rabbits to like my my brain like clicked at Red Rabbits, and then mm-hmm. kind of like. Went on like drive, I should say. Yeah. On turn on me, and then like clicked again when Black Wave came up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if the arrangement on this album, just like front to back, is a little weird. Just because, like, I think Turn on Me is a good closer song, or like right after girl Sailor. Um, Mm -hmm. for for Comet appears is still a good closer.
1: I do like Comet appears is a good closer. It's very like grandiose a little bit in like the Shins way.
0: Yeah. Not in like a queen way, because that'd be a little yeah. absurd.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Though that being said, I would fucking love to see James Mercer try to hit some of Mercury's high notes. That'd be great.
1: I do like James Mercer's voice too. It's very uh like he he doesn't really try to do anything too crazy with it. Like in like in a lot of other music, they're constantly switching up and down between pitches and octaves. But mm-hmm. James Mercer always like kind of keeps the same same energy throughout the entire song.
0: I think so, too. And the only song I can actually think of that he does do anything with it is um, Carrying Is Creepy off the first album, which he just affects the shit out of his voice, and it's super, like, reverby and almost, like, phased out. And I... I remember... That was the first Shin song I ever heard, and I was just like, what is this fucking mystical, like, synth part that's these... Swelling chimes in the back that go back and forth.
1: But, yeah, <laughs> I need to listen to more Shins. Um, <laughs> them another band I've been like meaning to kind of get into. I forget what they're called. Oh, God. It's like a band that Griffin always talks about. Talking Heads? No. Not Talking Heads.
0: I love Talking Heads. They're good as fuck. Long Winters? I think Talking Heads.
1: Yeah, maybe them too.
0: I listen to a little bit of Long Winters. They're pretty good. I still like There's the like Shins a lit- more, but I'm also like I grew up with the Shins, so they're a little yeah. bit more in my wheelhouse.
1: There's like a list of like bands I've been meaning need- to get into since like I started joining like the uh DYI community, like the art community. Here's and, like, I'll throw I'll throw you a name
0: one. I'll throw you a name right now. And this is not a plug that I'm getting paid at all by anybody. And that is Jeremy Messersmith. Are you familiar with Jeremy Messersmith? Never heard of him. Somewhere between Sophie and Stevens and the Shins.
1: Ooh, so interesting. yeah,
0: yeah. I I really enjoy his music. Um, a lot of acoustic stuff. Um, yeah. I'll have, I'll send you a link to um the commuter. It's probably my favorite song of his. He also sings about okay. Star Wars every now and then, so that's cool too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: Star Wars fucking rules.
1: <laughs> All right, so I think, think we're gonna we'll call it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It was great talking with you. Definitely. You ever need me to do this again?
0: Absolutely. Say the word.
1: All right.